Hey, good evening. Well, you know what? It seems like weeks since we last met. It has been. <laughs> and I was beginning to wonder if it was going to be more weeks with that uh, forecast they gave, but uh, thank the Lord. It, uh, but but the, the 40 degrees, it can stay around there, right? As long as we do that. Anyway, good uh, good to be back here. Might have to try to figure out where we've been and where we're heading here in this uh, Ephesians section. Uh, I think a key question would be is... Uh, if you were to look in Ephesians 4, which is the text we're supposed to be in, I believe, and I've got it written down tonight for 20 through 24. If, uh, does everybody have a, an outline sheet? Does everybody have one? Got it? We okay? Penny, you have one? We, we have an extra one up here. There's one right here. Okay. Uh, I know this is not the way to start up the uh, Dr. Helton, but oh, I have 69. <laughs> Uh, is that on a phone? Then that's yeah. the official time, isn't it? Okay, well. Yeah. <laughs> well, I started to ask the key question. We haven't done it yet. So, does he get away with this one? Does this count as a full class for him, a full grade? or class he's been to this year. Last week, Well, I got scared when it was snowing. <laughs> well, you're from Michigan. <laughs> That's right. She did. She showed up. I heard later. I did leave a message. <laughs> it's not that I called up the next morning and told her. <laughs> well. Ah, well, we know about those messages, don't we? Well, in Ephesians 4.24, and we're, uh, our section right is 20 through 24, but at 24 it says that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. That you put on the new man which was created according to God. Now, the question is, how do you put on a new person created by God? How do you put on a new person created by God? And hopefully we'll get to that tonight. Uh, we'll find that in Scripture. It won't be an opinion that I give you, but <laughs> it'll be found here. Um, but I hope that'll keep it going we'll, we'll, uh, as we as we run to that answer. If we want to escape from where verses 17 through 19 talk about which is being alienated from God and uh, the futility that uh, we are in, then we have to look deeply within and see what the cause of our futility is. So it's really important to get the root of our problem recognized. If we were to look in chapter 4, where it talks about this is where it's going to really the what the rubber meets the road, where it says in verse twenty six, "Be angry and do not sin. Um, don't steal." Right in verse twenty eight, uh, don't have corrupt words coming out of your mouth. Um, evil speaking, uh, being kind to one another. In chapter five, talking about walking in love, walking in light. Chapter five also says. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, and then singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart, one another. Uh, how you operate in the church, and also in chapter 5, how it is to operate in the family, as far as wives to husbands, husbands to wives, children to their parents, parents to the children. Chapter 6 talks about how you are to relate uh, your Christianity and in your everyday workplace, whether you be the boss, whether you be the uh, the um, employee. And then it talks about uh, putting on the whole armor of God. It's the whole walk. And so he says, do this, do this, don't do that. The do's and don'ts are all in that section. But to qualify that, we can't just jump into that and say, okay, do this. Because that can become a legalism. We have to be able to see first of all, what the problem is, and then how we have the power to be able to do the things that God then commands us to do by His grace. So we need to become really deep people, 
and look deeply within ourselves to see, first of all, where we were really at. And verse 17 through 19 does that. Um, It's like a surgeon giving a report on your heart. And before you knew Christ, this is where you were at. You had hardness of heart, for instance, which is mentioned in that section 17 through 19. You've been hardened against God. Matter of fact, there was nothing attractive about God. There was nothing attractive about His truths. And you did not take any delight in that whatsoever. Uh, Matter of fact, your heart was evil and deceitfully wicked. But the surgeon is going to show our deepest problem is that we are hard against God. We also see that we are in darkness. Um, We are in darkness, not in the light. There was no light in me. And Jesus is the one who is the light. So we need Him and His light. Also, deep ignorance is another problem in our hearts. We are ignorant of truth. Uh, We have a superficial knowledge about certain things, but we have a darkened mind about God. Totally darkened and uh, totally blind. And so, we uh, see those kind of things. Every molecule, matter of fact, in this universe exists for the sake of Jesus Christ. Exists for the glory of God. Every single molecule. And most people don't understand that. I mean, they don't they don't want to think that God is controlling this universe in every aspect. And neither did we till we started learning Christ. Uh, another one is licentiousness, uh, which is, I think, in verse 18... Uh, no, 19, I'm sorry. Lewdness, for instance. Um, becoming uh, callous... Um, gratifying whatever ourselves want, what our flesh wants, uh, gratification of our body, whether it be sex, whether it be alcohol, whether it be drugs, whether it be food. Uh, We want to be gratified with maybe having the knowledge that we have, but anything that is outside God or apart from God is um, totally worthless. And it's being ignorant of God And then we also see in that section about uncleanness with greediness. So, uncleanness. Pursuing practices that would be impure, at least as far as God's eyes are concerned. So, what Paul is saying is, don't walk as the Gentiles do. And we've seen all these negative terms. And the last one is alienated from God, which is found also in that section there too. Um, What what happens is when we are... uh, having hard hearts and we're in darkness and ignorance and licentiousness is a way of life. The practice of uncleanness then, all of those, then cuts me off from the life of God. The very one who is the one that saves us. So that's where we were at. And there's only one escape. We know, we know that answer. You know, the gospel is all part of this. The gospel is the key to being able to live out these Christian truths, isn't it? We are to no longer live as Gentiles. Remember how verse 17 starts? This I say therefore in testifying the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in their futility of their mind, their emptiness of their mind. And that's where we jump into where verse 20 is at. He says, this is what you... <laughs> You were. This is where you were at. This is where all people are at before Christ. And he says, you haven't learned Christ that way. Um, This is how you escape the futility. Uh, We hear the voice of Jesus, as he says, but you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. So it's, it's learning from Christ. Go to the school of Christ. Be taught by Him. Um, He talks about hearing Christ. The hour is coming, and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. And those who hear will live. Uh, This is a past tense to all Christians. We learned Christ. We heard Christ. We are continuing to learn of Him, but... um, in John 10, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me. They hear Him. Uh, 
the ones who really hear him are the ones that are drawn to him. People can hear with the ear about the truths of Christ, but not really hear what the real truth is. So, so anyway, the truth is Christ. Um, and what he's going to get to when he um, gets into 22 and then 24 is Paul is saying, put off the old clothes, put on the new clothes, and he's saying, act it out. Uh, you've already been giving the clothing, now put those garments on. Um, your clothing is what people see. That's the outward aspect. Uh, it's your it's your visible attitudes. It's your visible behavior. It's the outward. If if you have a hidden spring, and it's been purified, the, you have a visible stream out of your life that runs clean. Then, and so we know it starts in the heart here. If the spring has been purified, then the streams will what? They will run clean. And so, but you have not so learned Christ. Now, if we fail, if we don't understand, if we fail to understand um, these truths in 20 through 24, for instance, if we don't get that basis, then when it says that we're not to be angry, well, we know that. We know we're not supposed to be angry, but why do we keep on getting angry? Why do we keep on doing that? If we don't understand 20 through 24, then we're going to be led astray when we have all of these things that says don't steal, don't have corrupt words coming out of your mouth, don't get angry. Um, we have to take heed how we hear and, and we learn Christ, we are taught by Him, we, we hear Him. If we take heed to that, and, and as if we are being taught in Him, if we're awakened by that voice of Jesus, if we have Christ, and, and that's a kind of a one-time happening, but it's it's an ongoing thing too. That's why we can then do these things. Therefore, putting away lying. Okay, Now we can do these things without being in a legalistic, forced manner, but now it is part of our life. And you'd say, well, why, why didn't Paul just cut to the chase here? Say, hey, when you believe on Jesus... Uh, you got to get rid of your bad habits. And you got to get rid of those habits and they're never to be around anymore. Why doesn't he just go to that rather than setting all this up? He says, here's what you were and now here's what you are to do, put on this new man. What he does is he says, you have to enter this, uh, this school. We go back to 20. But you have not so learned Christ if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. Christianity is not like any other school in all the universe. Um, I think there are morals that are taught. In most of your evangelical churches, they will teach good morals, I hope. But it's not an improvement course. We, we can't improve on ourselves because um, we won't be able to do it. Uh, you don't just sign up and work hard to change yourself. And that's the school of legalism, and it's not the school of grace. But in the school of grace, you have new clothes. And you find out in 24 that you are created, put on the new man which was created according to God. God creates. He creates the new me. And I'm given this assignment to be holy. But when I am told that God creates my holiness, He creates my new man... This is a very strange school. It says do it, but yet this is what you are. In Ephesians 2.10, we are God's what? Workmanship. God's creation. And not only that, the works that I am assigned to do, He already prepared for me to do those way back when. Wow, he's already prepared those words to do long before it even happened. Incredible, huh? And each and every one of us are, are uh, you know, unique and varied. But Paul just doesn't come out and say, "Okay, you're a Christian now. Now get rid of these habits and get some good ones." 
And I think sometimes that's where people tend to think that's what you're to do. There's a, there's a middle section here that has to be done before we can jump on to the other part. Okay, you're a Christian now, be good. <laughs> the key question in the Christian life starts with hearing. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard Him, been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus. Uh, learn. Menthano. Uh, I think of the word math in there because you have to learn. That's a hard subject for me. But you really have to learn to get that down. But this is an aorist tense here. But you have not so learned Christ, which means it was a past tense. It's been done. It, it is uh, an unrepeated act. It is finished. You have learned Christ. Now, granted, we continue to keep learning, and he'll get into that as he, he goes here. But when one is heard, we're talking about a salvation act here. Uh, he, bec- he is the very chief thing in your life. I mean, he, he is your life. He is truth. He is the way. He is his life. Um, what are some things that we've learned about Christ? Uh, how about Jesus being God in the flesh? Now, is that basic? Is that a central element to Christianity? Is that simple? Well, it's uh, a basic foundational truth, but it's rather incredible, isn't it? But Peter only understood it by the will of God when he, when Jesus talked to him and said, Who do you think I am? Or who do you say that I am? So that in and of itself has to, in the, in the starting point of Jesus being God, it has to be revealed by God to an individual. Exactly. That's the heart of it all. There's no way that anybody could ever come up with that answer. That seems so simple to us after the fact of the matter. Yeah. And yeah, that's so key. And I, I, I think that's that's where it starts at. We have to know that God is just absolutely sovereign in everything. And it's great that He actually opens us up to understand that. Uh, none of these truths we can understand. The virgin birth, how can we understand that? And the second thing is understanding that not everybody will believe that God is sovereign. <laughs> yeah, when you start I, defining yeah, okay, what sovereign well, I mean, is, right? You know, yeah. But that's what, you'll, you'll, that's what you'll run up against as you get out there, even among other Christians. And isn't that a good truth yeah. to be teaching? Yeah. So, I mean, you, you'll always be butting your, uh, your head up against Would you turn around? And show them something. I just noticed something. Do you guys notice something different? Yeah, on his face. Off of his face. No mustache. He put off the old mustache. (laughs) I just now noticed. I knew something was... I kept looking at him. His mustache is gone. It's August. You're kidding me. Uh Blew my illustration. I'll have to go to Barb's illustration. I'm going to have to go back to that one. You know, after you put off and put on, you're kidding. People a long time to notice that you put off. (laughs) 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 Wow, Uh, it's been August. Why? Was that the last time that we met back in August when Bill? That was last time you were here in August. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> oh, man, I pick up going. Okay. All right. Looks so different. Let's keep going. Okay. Basic truths about Christ. We think of his birth. We think of his life. We learn that, right? Uh, what kind of life did he have? Perfect life. And in his life, he had ministry. He had teaching. We think of the miracles. We think of the great teaching that he did. Uh, this man is from God. You can't and and uh, part of his message is holiness, and that's really where we're heading in Ephesians four. You can't separate Jesus from holiness, can you? Um, so uh, his life uh, was perfect in holiness. His teaching was was definitely holiness. The Sermon on the Mount, for instance, but he showed how you can be holy. It's only through <laughs> through Christ again. And he he says, uh, "Go and sin no more." Many times I think of that. Death and resurrection, what was a death about? Um, well, it uh, showed that that's the only way you can be holy also. Of course, it saves us and such. The sending of the Holy Spirit. All parts of life of Jesus, all the way through the death and the burial and resurrection, 
pointed to the holiness of God. And that is a great doctrine to know. The holiness of God. R.C. Sproul, one of his really main ministries in all what he does and his teaching is people would say, oh, it's about election, predestination. Yeah, but that's just a little facet. It's about the holiness of God. And if that would be impressed upon people's hearts, can you imagine the growth that they would have as they think about the holiness of God? And uh, so the, the, the truth in Jesus then leads to the fullness of the truth about who God is, about man and where he comes from, about creation, about history, about sin, about righteousness, about grace, about faith, about salvation, sovereignty of God, life, death, the purpose, the reason that we exist, uh, relationships, uh, heaven, hell, judgment, right? Eternity. All of those are the questions that people need to be answering. And if they're not Christians, they need to know, why don't I know this? Uh, they don't know those. And those are some of the, I mean, those are the most important issues in life, isn't it? Uh, they, don't, they don't know even history. You know, if we look at history, we can see how that man has continued to be a sinful man. <laughs> Just keeps on going. So anyway, the knowledge of the truth in Christ, being taught in Christ, we have been taught in union with Him, as He says in verse uh, verse 21, uh, a really good literal translation actually does better than even my translation here. The Greek text, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught in Him, I have by, by Him, which is okay. But better is in Him. We've been taught in Him or in union with Him. It's because we can't trust our own thinking. That's why that word in Him, we've been taught in Him. After we have been united with Him, now we are one with Christ and we can now be able to understand those truths. As uh, Peter, uh, as he was connected with Christ, God revealed that answer to him. He didn't come up with his own thinking. Um, we don't come outside of Christ to be able to come to that truth. Second uh, Corinthians chapter five, fifteen. We cannot trust our own thinking. This is not. Uh, That wasn't the verse that I was thinking of. Anyway, um, you think of an Old Testament passage. What Old Testament passage can you think of where um, it talks about uh, be not wise in our own estimation? That's a New Testament passage. Or uh, do you, Did you have one there? Well, I was thinking uh, Jeremiah. Yeah, exactly. What does it say? Lean not on your own understanding. Our own thinking cannot come up with the spiritual things of God. Yeah, yeah. You uh, retrieved that answer there. Um, so therefore, we're taught in Christ. We learn in Christ. Learning from the inside. Jesus is the school. Jesus is not only the school, He's the teacher. Jesus is not only the school and the teacher, but He's also the subject. <laughs> He doesn't teach about anybody else. He's teaching about uh, the whole triune God. So the life of Christ is in us. And so the school, the school of Christ, it is all about Him. Um, if you remember in Ephesians 1, like in verse 17, I think we have the, the prayer, the great prayer, um, 15 through 23, and he's talking about... Um, God would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance, the exceeding greatness of His power, that we would be able to know those things. Well, we've seen in the first 14 verses, we've been placed into Christ by His own plan and grace, and we've seen as a result of that that we would be able to learn now 
all of these things about who He is and what, what it's all about. And that's what we um, probably see in Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into Him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by whatever joint supplies, according to the effect of working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. All those kind of truths. Uh, the prayer in chapter 3. Uh, Galatians 2.20 says, Therefore it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Second um, Corinthians 11.10 Maybe I get this scripture right. Find out. As the truth of Christ is in me, the truth of Christ is in me, because Christ is in me. I am in Christ. His truth is there. And Paul goes on to say, but uh, all Christians have that. Not only is the truth there, uh, but we think uh, we are to have the mind of Christ. We can now think, start to think like Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16. <coughs> For who has known the mind of the Lord that He may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. As He is in us, He's, we've learned from Him, we've been taught from Him, uh, we uh, have this the thinking of Christ already implanted into us. We have a long way to go yet, <laughs> but the mind of Christ has uh, been given. That's rather incredible. Yes. So, if you were at... Asking or telling someone how to get there from point A to point B, would you put them into, for lack of a better word, a discipline mode of of Bible reading and and and, and prayer? Because I, I go back to that passage in Acts where they they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And when you look at those three aspects of the Christian life, I think, I mean. I mean, I don't want to make an assumption here, but I mean, I think the breaking of, of bread is, is communion, but I also think that it's that's something that you do together. So I think exactly. you're talking about community there and devoting to the apostles' teaching. I mean, the way to to devote yourself to the apostles' teaching is to read the Word. Exactly. Okay. That's uh, that's the heart of the matter. How else are we going to know about Christ unless we try? Unless we just have hearsay. Unless we go to the library and fi- look. Uh, look at books that might have something to say about Jesus, but may not be uh, accurate, may not be based on the Word of God. The Word of God is the very basis, foundation. It mm-hmm. starts there. Absolutely. And it the key word there. being devoted. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They have hard to hung out. <laughs> that doesn't work, does it? Yeah. Um, matter of fact, Jesus sought the very mind of the Father. Now, that's quite a thought. Matthew twenty six thirty nine. Whenever he was here on earth, he went a little farther and fell on his face, Garden of Gethsemane, prayed, saying, "O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will." Now, granted, we have the humanity of Christ there linked with the deity of Christ. But he was seeking the very will, the very mind of the Father, the very will of the Father. On that, always he was wanting to do the will of the Father. And we saw him in his in his flesh, in that man God. So the next verse, then, as we go back to our Ephesians, we've seen that uh, in verse 21, learning this truth about Christ. For all those who have been awakened by the voice of Jesus. Who's that? Who has been awakened by the voice of Jesus? All Christians, right? For all of them, then 22 comes into play. And we have to realize that there's a difference between morality and what true and absolute Christianity is. Morality stops at the negative. Don't do this. It, it tells us, put off the old man. You must not do this. It's always negative. And you'll remember uh, the evil spirit that was in a man that Jesus told about, and then that evil spirit left. It was like he was 
swept out of there. And then later he brought back how many more evil spirits? Seven more. And they overtook that man. And so he had just swept out that evil spirit, but there was never a cleaning. There was, a, there was not a cleansing, a washing there. Uh, so we have to fill in with a positive truth. It's one thing to try to get rid of sins, but the only thing is if we do that, there might be that much more, double, triple, quadrupled later. But we have the positive here where it says we put off, but we put on. So what do we have here? What's this word here? You put off concerning your former conduct, like 17 through 19 was about. Put that off. Lay aside. Um, Literally, I think it means to strip. To strip off that old man. And it's an errorous tense again. And an errorous tense means it's a once and for all action. It has happened. So let's read that that you put off concerning your former conduct, or we can say it like this, that you have already put off concerning your former conduct. And what we have to do is look over to Colossians chapter 3. And Colossians is a parallel with Ephesians so often. In Colossians 3, verse 3... No, no, no. Yeah. It's around three. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Okay, that's one thing. You died. You already died. There's a there's a death of the old man here. We go to verse nine. He says, Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge. Now, that's a lot like our text in Ephesians. And in the Greek, it is an aorist tense. It's already been done. You say, well, wait a minute. Why does he tell them to do these things? Well, there's a connecting link, and we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. The, the answer and the key to all of this is found in verse 23. But right now, we have a connecting link, tw- uh, 23 to verse 22 and 24. It reaches back, it reaches forward. And then I think we can put that together and maybe it'll hopefully make some sense there. It's not an imperative here. You know what an imperative is, right? A command. He's not commanding you to put off that old man because he really has been put off. We're no longer in Adam, are we? Uh, It's a reminder, though, of the reality of where we were at. But we'll keep going here and qualify this. Uh, the old man would be considered to be the self, uh, the humanness, uh, the personality, the unregenerate person. Okay, that, that's a little bit easier to understand. That one who was unregenerate, that 17 through 19, he's already been put off in the sense that he is uh, he was unregenerate, he's dead, that is what we inherited from Adam. That's the man that we had. Now, let's go to uh, go to 2 Corinthians 5.17 for a moment. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Uh, again, that's kind of like thinking of here's the old man, now there's a new man. We see those parallels. We go to Romans chapter 6. Probably familiar with this one. It's uh, the one where we have uh, baptized into death and such. Uh, start at verse 2. Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk 
in newness of life. Ah, sounds like our Ephesians. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing that our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Okay. Seems like a contradiction. How can I put off the old man if he's already dead? And Romans 6.6 6 says what? Knowing that our old man was crucified with him, the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Uh, and our Colossians 3.9, which says, we have already put off that old man. Put off the slavery. Let's put it in that terms. You're no longer a slave. Uh, have you ever heard of stories where back in the Civil War there were people who were slaves and whenever they were freed, they didn't know what to do? They stayed. Aha! They stayed a slave. Now, sometimes that might be a good thing. But some were continuing to live like slaves when they were actually set free. But they didn't know what it was like to be free. They'd never been free before, so they continued to live like a slave under uh, underneath a bondage. Yeah? It's one more that uh, was discussed recently is that in, when you make the transfer and you, and you move from being a slave of sin to a slave of righteousness, it's like having a new landlord. And you are the slave to the new landlord. And I think the, the quote that what somebody says Quit paying rent to the old landlord. You know, yeah. you're 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 in the new one now. Don't go back there. You don't need to go back there. You don't need to go pay rent back there. You've left that place where you were paying the rent of sin of being a slave to sin, and and now you're in the new place. That's a good picture of it right there. Um, like the guy out of that works out in the fields, and he's been he's over in this other field across the road. And there is his old boss yelling out, you know, hey, come back over here and do this. And he's looking over there and he's thinking that you know, he's, he's trying to do that work there, but actually he's in this field over here. Uh, you know, like the, the rental people still trying to pay rent. They've been set free from that. Well, why is it so difficult to gain this concept when prior to Jesus Christ, the old man we sinned because we, had, we could not love God. We had no choice. And then Christ saved us. And we keep acting like And now we have a choice? We keep acting like yoga. <laughs> so we keep choosing to keep relating to That's what this, this text in Ephesians is so key. And this is, what, this is where I'd love to take... I mean, New Christians, this is one of the best books, and you can go anywhere in the Bible. But if you want to disciple somebody and they had time to sit down, I would start in the book of Ephesians with them and first show them where they have been placed, the position of where, who they really are. We should go back to the familiar way to respond to it. about 20, 30 years We actually don't believe sometimes that we can, we don't have to respond. That's the hard part. Yeah. Understanding that you don't have to do that anymore. And that's why this verse 23 is the key to the these, this question that we started. How do you put on a new person created by God? Verse 23. Well, yeah. and the other part, though, goes back to what we were all talking about, what we all try to live, is that, is that completely understanding what's been done for us and the fact, because because what, what sometimes happens is that, you know, some people start throwing out these do's and don'ts and they say, well, no, that's not legalism, that's obedience and you need to do this. And so, you know, the shrinks on the radio, I think, said at one time at New Life, I was listening to that show one day, and they said, you know, you've got to stop white-knuckling yourself into being good. Because the more energy you spend white-knuckling yourself into being good, the more you'll miss the relationship between you and Christ. And so if we emphasize the relationship with Christ and the love of Christ in us and our love for Christ, 
certainly wouldn't want to offend somebody that you love. And so not sinning or the do's and the don'ts have to come out of love as opposed to rules. That sounds like the gospel. That sounds like grace. I wouldn't take him into Ephesians. I'd take him to John. Change your affections. Change yeah. Now, I haven't done changes, it completely. I mean, I didn't, yeah, I didn't say I've done it. I just said that you know, that sounds good to me. Yes. The putting on of the new man, isn't that essentially working out what God has worked in us? Yeah, working out your salvation. Because God has worked it into us. Exactly. And we take what He has worked into us and we work it out into our walk, in our, our Christian Yeah, there's no way that we could ever work these in us at all. He did it. He gave that to us. It's a matter of now bringing it out and being fruitful outward. And that's where this is. This is the bringing what's already there. It's already there. We have to bring it out. And by His grace, we can do that. But that's where our part comes in that we actually do. Here's where you can actually say there's a synergism now as you're a Christian. There's monergism first for salvation, right? It's God and God alone who saves. He is the God of salvation. Synergism is where we work with God. God works in us, and He gets all the glory because He's done that, but we now actually do something. Where is it that I cut off and... I'm joined to God. Where is it? You know, Him and me. Can't draw a line, can we? We're just in Him. Yeah. And one last thing about this: these, these do's and don'ts is that when we're out in the world and we do certain things and when we're out in the world and we don't do certain things, usually the things that we do and the things that we don't do set us up for ridicule. You know, someone says, oh, you don't drink. Okay. I know who you are. You know, but what impresses people more is when you love them unconditionally and it has nothing to do with whether you drink or not. You know, it, it, and so we get ridiculed more more as Christians for what we do and don't do than how we love. And 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 that's one of the hardest things I know for me to do is to actually love people. You know, because they don't do what I think that they should do. Yeah, the world will... Or they do things that I don't think that they should do. What's the scripture that would support that there? The world will know them by what? By their fruits. By their fruits, by their love for each other. For each other. And that's that's how they say That's the lost people that can see that. Wow. And and that's that's where all this is at right here. This is this is putting on that uh on that new man as we're moving into that. So don't live as a slave. Stop living as a slave. You are free. Okay? I think the most important reason for putting on the old man is that he already died. Uh, we're exhorted to, to put him off because he's dead. Get rid of the habits that belong to him. Um, the old man is to be forsaken even though you know we, we're reminded a lot. But it, uh, or we're no longer a baby. We're past that stage. We're, we're not a baby anymore. Don't behave as though we are. We can behave like babies, can't we? But we're not babies anymore. We can sure behave like it. Now, what's the condition of the old man? Put off concerning your former conduct the old man. Well, he's corrupt. The heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? We can go to all those passages. And we know that um, what he, he's decaying. The old man is decaying. He's a dead man. He's decaying. He's corrupt, right? And when takes one, when um, I believe what takes one there is what will also follow. He says, "The old man which grows corrupt according to," and I'm going to go to the word lust first because deceitful will come right back to in a moment. Lust is. What takes one to corruption, and that would be sometimes a positive term, but usually in scripture it's a negative. But it's an overpowering desire, uh, a desire that's maybe sometimes an inordinate affection that goes beyond what it should be. The problem is, is that lust controls, and lust can be anything. We we usually think of uh, immorality, but it can be a lusting for whatever. 
what controls the lust is the word that magnifies it, deceitful lust. And that would be what's controlling all of this. The power at the back of all this trouble is deceit. It's the deceit. Uh, That's the controller of lust. And you can take this all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Who came into the world and brought on temptation? We know that Satan was the great deceiver, right? As he used that so well. And of course, I think it's I think a Second Corinthians chapter eleven, verse three, how the enemy can really make a big play deceiving. But I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. There we see that the serpent used this uh, deception in a huge way. And there's, I think there's a lot of different kinds of uh, deception. Of the, the ultimate responsibility for the fallen state of the individual, you know, we see sin. Satan is the one that came and brought that, that sin to mankind. But you can look in Second Peter and look at deception there, the deceiving t- false teachers. You can see in Romans 7.11 where it talks about sin hardens a man, it deceives. Sin is so deceptive. Uh, Jeremiah 17.9, what deals with the heart, the heart is deceitfully wicked. Um, how does sin deceive? Well, it can do it by flattery. It can be flattered. Uh, discouraged. Deception because of discouragement. Or a satisfaction that goes way too far. Being just satisfied. Sin <laughs> never satisfies, though, does it? Really. So, that word deceit is uh, quite a magnification of what and why we have these lusts. Because we are deceived into something that is not really. It's not going to give us that complete satisfaction at all. And then we get into our answer to what that key question was. The question is found in 24, that you put on the new man which was created according to God. How do we do that? How do we put on a new person created by God? Verse 23, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So you have the 22 put off. 24 put on. Connecting link. Verse 23 be renewed. And here's the thing that we do do. (laughs) That we do. (laughs) And we go back to like what Bill was saying earlier. Here's where the Word of God comes in. Here's where uh, meeting with uh, uh, God's people, uh, just being around Christ, being taught by Him in so many different ways. Uh, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's the key assignment in this school. The school of grace, where we get our grades at. (laughs) The school of grace of of Christ. Um, We've been created in Him. And so we are to renew the Spirit. Renew the Spirit. Uh, You have to think of what passage? Romans 12. That's one of them. We have to think of. Romans 12, 1 and 2. And of course, that's practical application after 11 chapters of mainly doctrine. Beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable God, which is your reasonable service. Now this is sanctification too, isn't it? Ephesians 4, a key chapter on sanctification. Romans 12, on and on. Key chapters on sanctification. These are great chapters. But they just don't start at the top of the book. It's all set up. So now we have a true understanding of sanctification. Verse 2, here we go. And do not be conformed to this world. Does that sound like Ephesians chapter 4, 17 through 19? What was the world? The darkness, right? And such. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Huh. I think 12, 16 might be what we're looking for earlier. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, read that. 
be of the same mind one toward another, mind not high things, but condescend in your lower state. Be not wise in your own conceit. That's what That same mind, right? Mm-hmm. Be of the same mind. Be uh, not wise in your own conceit. Yeah. Yeah, do not be wise in your own opinion. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Thanks there, Audrey. Uh the the thought here is continually keep on doing this. You remember in uh in our Ephesians here in the earlier verse it said here's what's already happened. We have put off that old man. We have put off. Now, there is the sense of we are to put it off, but really it's done in being renewed, really, in the positive sense. Renewed in the Spirit, because we have already done this. Now we are to renew, and the, the tense of that verse is keep on renewing. It's not an arrow's tense, but it's a tense that keeps on going. Uh, so, um, I think that is what properly puts it into the, the sense of where we're at now. Continual work of the Spirit. He's working in us as we're working it out. So that's that's the answer. And so he says, be renewed in the Spirit of your mind. Renewed. That's uh, looking at a hyper comment on this. How do you become renewed in the Spirit of your mind? The answer, Piper said, is to fill the mind continually with truth, about spiritual, about eternal things, and about heavenly reality. You know what he's saying? Put your mind on those things above. Put your mind on the things of truths, on the heavenly realities. Look in Second Corinthians chapter 4. Now, I, I said a little bit of Colossians there. Yeah, Set your mind on those things. things above. Yeah, have you noticed how God keeps repeating things over and over just in a little bit different ways? Well, these were written to different churches, too. So. Yeah. But they're saying the same thing, aren't they? Yeah. Second Corinthians chapter 4. And this section follows that great section about being cast down. You know, where Paul said... Uh, that uh, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also be, may be manifested in our body. Um, and it, oh, he says, for we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. They were at the point of death every day that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. So they were so close to death, those apostles were. Now, I'm going to save some time, move down into verse 16. Not that 13 through 15 is not important, but verse 16, here we go. This is where I was trying to get at. Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing... This is that dead man, but there's a physical body here that's that's perishing. Yet the inward man, that new man, is being renewed. Is that our key word? That's our key word for the day, isn't it? Being renewed day by day for our light affliction. (laughs) There you go. I see you guys back there. Light momentary. Light momentary, which is but for a moment, is working for us. Hey, here's God working in us too. He's working suffering for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. This is what we look at. While we do not look at the things which are seen, don't concentrate on that so much, but at the things which are not seen. The end of the race. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. There is where you put your mind. That, I think, is one of the secrets. That's nearly not secret because Paul mentions it so many times. That blessed hope. Knowing that there is something far better than what we have here. And what we have here is good because God is doing it in us so that we be made like Him. Wow. 
Colossians 3.3. 3, Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Fill your mind with the truth of heaven. If you fill your mind with that, you, you know what you're doing? Renewing. You are renewing. You are renewing. Ephesians 1.18 and 19. That great prayer. Being enlightened. Ephesians 3. That great prayer. That's filling your mind with uh, with Christ, the love of Christ, the fullness of God, the spirit of your mind is renewed. Yeah. Exactly. That's what we were talking about. The seed earlier, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And of course, uh, the devil plays a big part, and that's why in Ephesians six you have the p- putting on the armor. Uh, we have a full-out war against us constantly, and if we don't fill our minds with the things of heaven and what all and where this thing is going, if we get so wrapped up in what is happening with our own little lives and not what the big picture is about, what God has put together and where we're heading, then we're going to get caught up in this and we're going to start being anxious and we're going to go, woe is me, and where's our concentration gone? It's gone off the glory of God. We're now on us. Well, this is application, though. This is this is where it's at, isn't it? This this is doctrine, but it's it's really it's living it out. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. This is the Christian life. <laughs> Does it sound so familiar? <laughs> but why is it so elusive sometimes? Uh, sometimes I think we, we do uh, get caught up in things that are around us and we forget. Uh, we, we must be aware of what's happening around us. Well, it's kind of hard but, you know, when, you, when you look at the words that you use. They're very high-sounding words. You have Christ living in me be created in God's image, to be holy and righteous. Yeah. And I'm looking at me saying, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, what's you know, he doing in you, right? They're just really high-sounding words, and, and it's hard to, it's really hard to see ourselves like that. But would you say it's real? I mean, really real, even though you don't see it? I believe it. Yeah. Because It's just really hard to see it. Yeah. I, I look at other people and you know, sometimes I look around and it looks like everybody's really good, but me. But, but yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I know, I know what you mean. You know? Uh, well, no, it, it's just, you know, I don't know what goes on in your head. I don't know what goes on. You don't want to know what goes on there. <laughs> what's sad is sometimes I don't even know what's going on. A lot of times. Most of times. <laughs> I'm just looking at this as it's created in the likeness of God. Uh, Oh, wow. uh, uh, hey, you skipped ahead. <laughs> you can't go there yet. <laughs> That's the secret of the secrets right there. Oh, yeah. Well, this, high truths here. Really high truths. Look in Second Peter 1, four. Oh, wow. Look at verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. I mean, not just a little bit. In the knowledge of God... Have you learned a little bit about God tonight, a little bit more by looking at His Word? And of Jesus, our Lord, as His divine power has given to us, you ready for this? All things that pertain to life and godliness. That's our walk, our Christian life. We, we have everything we need to live this life through the knowledge of Him, so important to know Him, who called us by glory and virtue, here we go, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers now I know exactly what all this means of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Does that sound like Ephesians? And matter of fact, Paul said there deceitful lust. We escaped that corruption. It's decaying. 
But here's what we have. Exceedingly great, precious promises. Divine nature. We're partakers. That doesn't mean we are God. and We are divine. But we're becoming like Christ. We will be more like Him when we're glorified. And we'll see Him as He is. And that is uh, incredible. And then he says, this because of this, <laughs> Peter's kind of like Paul. Okay, here's where you're at. Here's your position. Hey, look at this. Oh, give all diligence. <laughs> so, here's the working out now. Here's what he's worked in us. Now he says, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge. It just keeps on going. Forget what lies behind. Keep on moving on. Don't be satisfied with where you're at. <laughs> I hope nobody's satisfied. Hey, I'm just fine. I can just go on forever like that. There's much more to go. When when you have a new a renewed mind, and you have to do it every day, it starts with the Word of God, thinking on Him, praying, you know, and not just as a hard discipline, even though you must do that discipline, but at the same time, knowing it's it's out of love, you get new attitudes, you get new emotions, your practices come are completely different because you've clothed yourself, and back to Ephesians, that you put on the new man which was created according to God <laughs> in true righteousness and holiness. You know, you put those two words, righteousness and holiness, and you can kind of compare them. And I uh, haven't worked this out good enough. I'd like to have a little more time on to think about it, but uh, you really have the bookends of the... Ten Commandments or the two tables. Righteousness is how we live our lives to people. We don't steal. We don't commit adultery. We don't... All those things, you know, don'ts. And the holiness is up to the first table, which is God. So, it's like we 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 have been created now to live out those two tables, which is love God love your neighbor. And when you do that, God is absolutely glorified. Yes. One more comment on that, Second Peter. Um, it's building blocks, which is really good. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, etc., all the way down. Um, and then with uh, steadfastness, and then steadfastness with godliness, uh, with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Meaning, there's the community part again. And if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord. The building blocks are beautiful because if, if you can't go from virtue to godliness, you have to, you know, that's part of the lesson of the of the building blocks. Is the next verse. Oh, do I have to? Is it going to yeah. make me mad? Hold yeah. on. Hold on, I have to hit done on this thing here. Okay. Um, being ineffective or unfruitful in the Lord, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Yes. Oh, cleansed from his cleansed. Old, the old man. Yes, the old he's man. gone back, and he's what's he yes. doing? He's living. He's living like he was. He's not that, but he's living like that again. Or he's yeah, he's forgotten what happened. He's, wow. Yep. That's. That's uh, what we, we we keep adding on to that, don't we? The the new eye written by somebody totally different than Paul. Than who? Than Paul. Peter wrote. Oh, this. that's Paul. right. Yeah. Uh, they they kind of complement each other. The, the consistency is amazing. They they had a band, didn't they? <laughs> Peter and Paul. Back in the sixties. <laughs> <laughs> Created according to God. The new man is created. He did the work. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In true righteousness and holiness, the new I now loves holiness. The new I loves righteousness. Those big high words, right? We love those. For that is what we were created for. And you can imagine, uh, you know, when you think of heaven where there is perfect righteousness always. Perfect holiness always. And here in the meantime, we're given clean clothes and 
we have to discard and burn the remains of the old sinful clothing. That's the way that Piper put it. Take those old clothes and just burn them, if you can put it that way. Anyway, Paul had a load there just in a few short verses of what living the Christian life is about. Now, he can say, don't lie, don't steal, don't be using bad words out of your mouth. And here's how you can live at at church and how you can live at home and how you can go to the daily workplace and live it. That's what he does. He sets it all up. The Word of God. It's an amazing thing. It's alive, isn't it? It can actually renew us daily. And that's really what this is all about. It's, uh, we are to learn. We are to have that knowledge. But now it's like, okay, we can't keep it here. Now we are to let it come on out and bear the fruit. And say, okay, I'm not going to hide it back anymore. I'm going to let that come on out. If we renew the mind, we can do it. Power of God's Spirit.